DJ, one, two, three. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name is Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out. Uh, you can learn about the church by visiting our website, calvary316.com. If you're not local but looking for a church that you might be able to check out online, calvary316.live is a link to our YouTube channel. Check it out again Sunday at 1030. I'm joined, as always, uh, in studio by the man that needs no introduction, Dick Dasterly. Creighton Vaughn, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. We might need to find another name. I think I'm going to go by Mussolini now instead of Dick Mussolini. Mussolini. Why would you go by Mussolini? Mussolini. Uh, because I am a quarter Italian. Because so, Italians you, are cool. So you found that out by doing a 23 and me, right? Yes, I did. And I, uh, I, we're trying to find some stuff out about my, you know, extended family and some of the the family history and whatnot. So I, you know. I found out that I'm a quarter Italian, which is ridiculous because of my skin color. Um, and you're not just a quarter. You're not just a quarter Italian. You're like we don't 40%, need to talk about that. You're like forty percent white, right? I sure I mean, am. Sure am. Sure am. Now quarter going Italian. in going into this, you know, we were joking about you know you potentially being like ten percent. You know, thinking like some small percentage. Yes. Like if someone I told was you, expecting, I was expecting to be at most a quarter white. It turns out I am a quarter Italian, and I also have another, like, <laughs> what is that, 15% or something? Yeah. That is mostly from England. Uh, it's like England and Ireland. I don't even know there's scotch in my blood. Well, we are also joined in studio by uh, four of our dear brothers, our friends, uh, working right to left, Mr. Nicholas Monty. How are you, my friend? Good, how are you? Excellent, excellent. Deal Daddy Derek. Hey, yo, what a man said. I'm <laughs> doing good. So did you find out you're like a third oh, Absolutely, Jamaican. man. The man doing good. Good with the fifths. We're good. <laughs> so you got yourself a, uh, a, a Calvary 316 polo. Oh, absolutely, man. I represent the church, man. That's I a solid Usher shirt. You're wearing your man, Usher 316, shirt to John 316, man. Oh, represent God so loved their world. All right, can we cut him off? Let's yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going Let's to the next one. Let's move over. We got, we got Spice Daddy. Justin, how you doing? Buongiorno. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got, we've got Kyle. You're back. You, it's been a couple weeks. You've been yeah. busy. Hadn't been with us. Welcome. Welcome. He's always the talkative one. That's all you one. got. That's all you got. I don't have a cool accent. N- they don't either. Hey, what the man said? What trying the man said? Don't have cool accent, man. Talk about John three sixteen for God's okay, love, the world. That he saved his own son. This is the wildest thing we do. So let me explain how the show works, just in case you're new. When it works, I have no idea. The show's about an hour, so hang with us. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about tonight, nor do the four gentlemen I just introduced. Creighton as the producer. Is the man with the plan. He has the topic for tonight. So it is an unscripted Bible study. Creighton will drop a topic, um, something going on in society, a uh, a passage of scripture, a verse, maybe even throw out a Bible character. And then it becomes my job, with the help of these gents, to turn that into uh, something that's edifying, something uh, beneficial, uh, something that blesses the body of Christ, uh, something uplifting, a Bible study. So it's an unscripted Bible study, which is fun. Uh, and it's conversational between between everybody in the studio. Also can be interactive uh, with those that are watching online. So this is a podcast. It gets released on Thursday on Apple, Google, Spotify. But we record, uh, we live stream the recording of the podcast, 8 o'clock on uh, YouTube as well as on uh, Facebook. So if you're listening to the podcast, check us out, 8 o'clock Wednesday nights. 
Outlawradio.live is our YouTube channel. Uh, Facebook.com slash The Radio Outlaws, how you find us on Facebook. And then what's cool is during the show, uh, you can interact with us. Uh, so in the comments section of both uh, YouTube and Facebook, you can drop comments. Creighton, you're monitoring both of those, correct? Yes, I have a very nice computer in front of me, and I'm in those. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, if you'd like to talk about the motherland, uh, Italy, uh, you can drop those things in the comments, and I'll be on it. I have, uh, a, I have a concern and comment. You have a concern and comment. Yeah, that's 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard. That's yes. right for our international right. audience. EST. Uh, Walter, a dear brother in uh, South, South Africa. Africa, right? Yeah. Uh, what's he watching the show at like 3 o'clock in the morning? Um, he has to watch the, this delay. I think, I think they're uh, past the, the, the dateline. The so is he earlier or later? It's earlier, so, probably like six, seven hours so earlier. So we've talked about... Uh, Someone's going to pull that up and figure it out. We've talked about it a bit, and our 10.30 a.m. EST uh, church service, he watches at 5.30 p.m. Oh, sweet. Um, so that's the, that's the like time Like in the difference. evening. Yes, he, caught, he, he said that our service is his evening service, which his, is super cool. Yeah. That, is, that is great. Uh, also, just to let you guys know, we, uh, we made a few changes uh, based upon... Uh, last week's episode, um, we used to always use info at outlawradio.org uh, as the go-to email address for the Outlaw Radio Show. It's the place that you could go. <clears throat> you could send in comments, questions. You could even, if there was a topic you think would make a great episode, you could email in, um, <clears throat> email into the show, let us know. You could also send to Creighton's personal. Creighton would say, you know, CreightonVaughn at gmail.com. You could also email him directly. <clears throat> we have, uh, in light of the recent developments of Creighton becoming Italian. We have decided to just scrap all email addresses. Uh, we've launched a new email address. It's active as of right now. You can email the show. Um, it is popecreighton at gmail.com. <laughs> There's no way. Yes. <laughs> popecreighton. Oh, so he did not tell us. He told us that we had a new email. He didn't tell us he what the new email would be. <laughs> so Pope, Pope, I have a Pope Creighton email now. Pope Creighton. The show does. That's awesome. Uh, a po- yeah, Creighton at gmail.com. So any, uh, any thoughts, questions, concerns, future topics, uh, you can email the show at Pope Creighton. That's the new nickname. That is. That's Pope. where we're at. Pope. Pope Creighton. Pope. I could have gone. I could have gone with that. I'm going to a hat. Bishop. So Pope Bishop. Vaughn was taken, ironically. Pope Vaughn was taken. The side of my family that's not Italian. Pope Vaughn one was available, but I thought Pope Vaughn the first would have been too long. Pope Creighton Vaughn would have been too long. So we just went with when I entered in Pope Creighton. It was like, this is available. I was like, the Lord has shined (laughs) upon us favorably. God wills it. it. (laughs) So, So here we are. Uh, the new email address to the Outlaw Radio Show is PopeCrayton at gmail.com. Amen. It is active. It is on my computer. I've already synced oh it. Oh, my gosh. So uh, it is, it is, we're good to go. I will uh, add that to the comments if you have any comments or concerns because my name is hard to spell. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead and drop that in. PopeCrayton. P-O-P-E. PopeCrayton at gmail.com. Hey, before we get to the show, uh, I, I was... Uh, Earlier today, I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter, and I ran across this Fox News article that made me chuckle. I don't want to get too much into it unless you guys somewhat are interested. So, so you know, most of these articles will have, like, the title, 
and then there'll be like a subtitle. I don't know if there's an official. This is subtext to the title. Anybody? Is it like there a title for that or like a branding for that on Twitter? No, no, no. Like it's like a news article. So you have the title, and then there's like a subtitle. Is it it just would a be subtitle? a subtitle. It's just a subtitle. Okay. So he's this the man was, that leads us. This was today. So the title, again, not comical. Subtitles, what's comical? <clears throat> so the title says. California Church doubles down on supporting female pastors after ouster from Southern Baptist Convention. Okay, so that's the, t- the foxnews.com. Uh, March 1st at 12.38 p.m. This got posted. California Church doubled down, doubles down on supporting female pastors after ouster from Southern Baptist Convention. Here's the subtext, the subtitle. Saddleback Church's female pastor, Rick Warren, will continue to serve as ministry leader. What? What? Did, did Wait, you get that? Rick Warren? Rick. Saddleback Church's female pastor, Rick Warren, will continue to serve as a ministry leader. That's allowed now, so. Is I guess Rick you can't misgender Rick Warren. So Rick Warren is not a female, by the way. But I'm not kidding. Like, this is, this is the <laughs> actual... The actual subtext, the title. That is not going to. That's, that's not, not going to show up. Not, okay, no, it doesn't no, matter. No. But they list Rick Warren. They, they define Rick Warren as a woman. And the subject, and he's staying on. When And later in the article, they're like, yeah, he retired last year. So he's not staying on. He's staying on as the. As, a as the, the woman pastor. <laughs> that's, what the, that's, what, that's what the subtext, but it's not. No. So like Saddleback which is a massive church. It's the second largest church in the Southern Baptist Convention. Was. It's, Rick, it's Rick Warren. So <laughs> Rick really... Warren was the pastor, the founding pastor. It's Southern California, mega church. Rick Warren retired about a year ago and handed the church over uh, to a dude and his wife. And they both were ordained pastors. So they were, so he handed the pastorate of his Southern Baptist Convention church to a man and a woman, a woman pastor. And then that created this firestorm. Mm-hmm. And so the Southern Baptist Convention, which is not like they don't have enough of enough problems on, on their own, um, voted to excommunicate them from the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh my goodness. And that was the article. It's like the female up. pastor Rick Warren is going <laughs> to continue on. That's wild. It's like yes. signing up for a Facebook account that's joint between you and your wife. <laughs> like you and your wife are doing this this Facebook account. That's the same thing as him as a pastor. Well, you can you can read the article and the guy that's actually the the the, the male pastor. He's like, well, I mean, uh, the Bible is clear that women can have spiritual gifts, and my wife's spiritual gifts is is teach preaching and teaching, and she's actually better than I am, so she should be doing it. And it's like. The article's nuts, by the way. Well, that's um, surprising. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bonkers. But, like, the fact that FoxNews.com, like, just completely butchered the, the, the sub-headline. perfect way. Yeah, no, so. That's I don't don't, don't really mean to make that a topic tonight. I just, I saw that today, and I was like, that's, that's, that's stupid. Interesante. Um, anyway, so, Creighton, what are we talking about tonight? All right. We're diving so, right in. We're not even going that's off. That's quick. So yeah, I quick. have I have an interesting one, and this is going to fall into our... Do we um, need our Bibles? Yes. You okay, definitely we need, need Bibles. Bibles. Oh, amen. Um, amen. Amen. About time. This amen. is going to fall into our... Uh, wait, that happened? Like, really? 
series. Oh, um, that category? So, yes. So oh, that's in the Bible these. category. Right. Yes. So we've done a few of these. Um, I can't remember all of them exactly. There are, for those of you who don't know, there are parts of the Bible <laughs> that are uh, bonkers. They're just absolutely crazy. And there's very little explanation given a lot of the time about how or why exactly something happened. And a lot of the times when you're just reading over it, it's easier to read past it and move on and not think about how bonkers it is. This is one of those. Today, I would like to talk about uh, Balaam and the donkey, <laughs> which if you grew up in the church, you have probably heard about. You just um, want me to say ass. I actually didn't want to. I mean, I don't Balaam care. and his ass. Fine. Balaam and his ass. My mom oh, listens to this. This is old. Uh, I, mean, I mean, if we're reading <laughs> out the old King James, this is what we got. <laughs> so I want to talk about Balaam hey. and his donkey. Um there is, so obviously the donkey is going to be a big part of the conversation. The what? it always is. The, the donkey is going to be <laughs> Wait, a big part of... what's going to be the, a big part of the story? The donkey. It's going to be a big part of the story. Um, so that's obvious. There is, as I was reading through this today, I noticed a, a thing. What passage? So we can turn So it. it's uh, Numbers 22. Numbers. Yes. That, the book everyone reads. Yes. Yep. One of the best books, uh, most read. People love studying it. Like top 66. Um, yeah, top 66. Easy. <laughs> easy. Um, Numbers is where Bible reading plans go to die. Yes, it is. So, um, so I want to talk about what? that. 22. Okay. Um, and so the question is how exactly you want to approach it. Because this is a two or three chapter story. And it's numbers. So it's, you know, a million words long. Um, there's a lot here. But the all of this stuff that I want to talk about is actually in chapter 22. Um, I can give a brief overview of the story if you'd like. I can read the full thing if you'd like. How would you like to go about this? Mm. Well, let's just right from the bat, let me throw this out to the guys and say, what What do you guys know of this story? You both, all of you are scrolling through your phones frantically. Yeah, brother, uh, I'm reading this and I'm like, yo, it definitely seems like that donkey did not want to do whatever was <laughs> going on in that thing. And the angels of the Lord were well appointed for the position they needed to be. Well appointed indeed. Basically, Cliff Notes, Cliff Notes version. Is that yeah. what, is that what you're wanting? Well, what do you know? So about basically, I forget which king it was of the surrounding area, but the Israelites were traveling through. So this other kingdom hired the Moabites. Yeah, the Moabites. They hey, hired. Let me, read, a let me dude. read some of it. Let's they, just. I'll read yeah. some, and then well, we'll kind of go with a Cliff. Notes. Well, they hired. A, they hired a dude, which is interesting because he seems to be an actual prophet, though he's right. Yes. Yeah. Right. They hired a dude. To basically curse the Israelites. Mm -hmm. let, let me read. And that's Chap where it begins. Chapter 22. And again, that's a good context. They're making their way through the wilderness. They're right. on this the way to the promised Egypt. land. This is after Egypt. This is after Sinai. But this is before, obviously, Joshua. This is before the people enter the land, before mm -hmm. they cross uh, the battle of Jericho, before any of that. Uh, we read, uh, Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab, on the side of the Jordan, across from Jericho. Justin, give us some geography on that. Uh, southwest Israel, uh, between Jordan and Israel, basically, so as today, a modern-day map. So shows. today would be modern-day Jordan, as much uh, the same way as it was then. No, Jericho is still within. It, it would technically be... Uh, it's across from Jericho. It's West Bank area, I guess, what you would put okay. it in right now. Verse 2, now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And this was a previous reference to, um, I believe, and again, this is one of the challenges of unscripted, 
Um, with the Amorites, <clears throat> God said, Moses, if, as long as you hold your hands up, the armies of Israel will be victorious over the Amorites, who felt threatened about the children of Israel and attacked them. So as long as Moses' arms were raised, <clears throat> God was giving the victory through Joshua. But when Moses' arms would weaken, the tide would turn. And so <clears throat> Moses ends up with two buddies that come to his right and his left. They hold his arms up, right? And so mm -hmm. Moses can't do it on his own. He needs help. You know, and so two guys hold his arms up. God gives his victory. So it's in that context <clears throat> when Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites <clears throat> and Moab. So this is a nation kind of in, in, in the area in which the children of Israel um, have, have camped. And you got to keep in mind, like, when Israel camped, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people lose in translation is there is anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of Israelites. And by this point, they're very organized because that was a lot of what the, the law, uh, Leviticus, um, you go back to God ordering for, at Sinai. Hey, this is, how the, this is how the camp's to move. This is who goes out front. This is how there's like when they even when they when they pitched their, their tents. They set up the tabernacle, and then everyone was around the tabernacle. I mean, imagine being like a foreign power, and you're seeing this massive two, three mil million people come in orderly. I mean, imagine city of, like, most of the large cities in the U.S., like, city of Atlanta, and the entire population of that just moving. And tents, right. no. and they're organized by tribe around this tabernacle, which has the presence of God, right? You know what's a good depiction <coughs> of that is the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King. When they're at the end, when they're walking into that end space where they're going to be at, and that all the tents of the people that are outside oh, the yeah. orcs, right, and right, yeah. like literally, if you watch that movie, it like for me watching it, it was more of like a depiction of like, oh, they were literally setting up uh, setting up camp outside of the tents, knowing the next day or that night, it was like battles about to ensue. If you were there in those city walls where they were trying to get everybody hyped up to go and fight this like battle that they're not about to win trying to hype everybody up to be like within those cities and knowing that the next morning was battle like you're literally just about to go put on your armor take your sword and run out there and fight against these cities this is insane to think about it in a biblical context like this and it's talking about the same exact thing so you can, to you can totally imagine how we're how we read that Moab was exceedingly afraid. Yeah. Like they're totally afraid yeah, of dude. the people because Legolas. they were many. <laughs> and Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will look up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Then he sent messengers to Balaam, so the son of Bor at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, 
and he whom you curse is cursed. And so, right right from the bat here, we're introduced to, to two different characters. We have Balak, who is the king of the Moabites. So he has this responsibility. This foreign group has moved into the land. It's ma- They're massive, uh, intimidating. They're all afraid. And, and he, he knows about this prophet, this guy Balaam. And he's like, man, I'm overmatched. I'm in a heap load of trouble here. So I, I need some divine intervention. Can, can, can we just pause a second? Yeah, and, sure. And he would have known who the Israelites are or were, right? Well, well where, do the, where do the Moabites come from? Well, we're already told that the, that the reputation of the Israelites that came ahead. Right. So there was already rumors going about whether he had direct knowledge. We, we don't exactly but, know. But well, I, I see what Justin's yeah, saying. Didn't the Moabites come from... They're Lot's kids. Lot's kids. They're one of Lot's. One of one of Lot's descendants. Yeah, the Moabites <clears throat> and one of his daughters. Lot is one, one of his daughters, daughters was That's the right. Moabites, yeah. and the other were the, not the Amalekites. The I don't remember, but, but one of them talking, is definitely the Moabites. But I mean, we're talking that that's that that's over four hundred years, of history has transpired. So yes, uh, but it's important because this is one of the things that God curses. Uh, Moab for later in the Bible is not treating the Israelites properly when they're moving out of Egypt. And th- when, because when they should have specifically known. that you should have known right. this was your brother. Right. So obviously so that's what Justin means. So yeah, no, so obviously there's some there's some for now. I appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> that's wonderful context. Again, I would just add again that there's four hundred years that's mm-hmm. that's transpired. You know, Lot <clears throat> fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah him and his daughters, you know, his wife turns to a pillar of salt. Him and his daughters, thinking they're the only human beings left, have to repopulate the earth. The women, you know, get them drunk, procreate. And you have the Moabites that descend. But 400 years pass, you know. Long time. I mean, you think think about 400 years from today. Long time. Where were we 400 years ago? You know, there's a lot of history that transpires, even within culture. Now, they're held accountable. They obviously know. <clears throat> they see the Israelites come. So Balak sends for Balaam, and, and he says, the, the reason, he goes, I know that, that, that those you bless are blessed. Those you curse are cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, so they know that they are going to have to pay Balaam for his job, his work. They came to Balaam, they spoke to him the words of Balak, and he said to them, Lodge here tonight, I'll bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. You have to pause. Again, you miss this by just listening. But if you're reading, anything jump out by that statement by Balaam? Specifically the word Lord. How is it presented in the text? Prophet of God. No, not just that. Did you notice it's capitalized? All of it is. L-O-R-D is capitalized, meaning that it is the unspoken name of Jehovah. It is, it is, it is Elohim, it is God, God, God. So he's not like, he, he's actually using, this guy Balaam, he's using a very particular term of God specific to the children of Israel that goes back to the burning bush. Goes back beyond that to God's interactions with Abraham. He's not talking about Baal or Molech. Right. He is specifically referencing, hey, let me go consult with the God of Israel. As the Lord speaks to me, and then he'll relate it. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam and said, 
Who are these men with you? Again, pause for a moment. I mean, just don't miss that. Balaam's like, hey, let me go consult with God. And then the next verse is what? God's like, hey, let's chat about it. Like, again, Balaam to me is a very interesting character. Mm -hmm. He's a very interesting personality in scripture. So God comes to Balaam, says, who are these men? So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, Sit, said to me, look, people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them, drive them out. <clears throat> well, God said to Balaam, verse 12, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land. The Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. So Balaam here is completely, he's in tune with God. He's got this direct connection with the true God of Israel. And he's obedient. God's like, hey, no, I'm not blessing this. You should have no part of it. So he comes back. He's like, yeah, guys, see ya. Take a hike. So Balaam rose said to the princes of Balak, go back to your land. I have no permission. The princes of Moab rose. They went back to Balak. Balaam refuses to come with us. So Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. They came to Balaam. They said, thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, please let nothing hinder you from coming to me. For I will certainly honor you greatly and I will do whatever you say to me. So this king is pretty desperate. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of gold and silver, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, my God, to do less or more. So Balaam's like, hey, I appreciate the flattery, the solicitation. I can't do it. You could offer me the whole kingdom. But I can't can't go against what God has told me to do. Again, at this point in the story, you're like, I don't know who the Balaam dude is, but Hey, double high fives. Like, you're nailing it. Like, this is, you know, I don't know who you are. Can't do it. <laughs> but you can't do it, and you're, you're, and you're willing to resist even the golden bounty that would come with it. I can't curse them. God wouldn't let me. Verse 19, now therefore, please, you stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, Rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. So he goes back to God. God's like, hey, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Go with them, but you're only going to say what I say. Now, now, ultimately, you'll come to find out in all of these, you know, Balaam will go to curse the children of Israel. But what comes out of his mouth? A blessing. And then Balak gets all upset. I didn't bring you here for that. And he goes, oh, I'll try it again. You know, (laughs) I think four different times. Yeah. Balaam tries to pronounce a curse. And what comes up? A blessing. And you can read through these chapters, gain more of an understanding. It's a very interesting story if you want to read on your own. But one of the fun parts of the story, continuing. Then God's anger was aroused because he went, which we'll have to get to. Yes, that's my... That is my non-donkey-related question. Okay, we'll get to that. Uh, me, uh, is me, that is that verse pairing right there? We'll get to it. 
Again, it, it appears that Balaam is being obedient. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way that the flow of the narrative is wanting you to consider. You know, again, I can't go, I can't go. And then he goes back, and God's like, okay, go, but only say what I want to say. And then we get, well, God's ticked off that he's going. So mm-hmm. we'll have to unpack that. And I think that's a natural question that arises when you're reading through the story. So God's anger is aroused because Balaam went, and the angel of the Lord, in his capital A, angel, which I would say is a Christophany, so this is the presence of Jesus, took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, with his sword drawn in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. Smart donkey. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyard, with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall, and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey. So he has a conversation with the donkey. (laughs) I mean, hard to argue. If a donkey starts talking to you, you talk back. So Balaam says to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. (laughs) So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have, ribbed, you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said no. Donkey is spitting facts and logic. Also tells you that animals know when they're being stubborn, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his, with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I also would have killed you by now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now therefore... If it displeases you, I will turn back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Now when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out, met him at the city of Moab, which is on the border at the Arnon, the boundary of the territory. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send to you, calling for you? Why did you not come for me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, Look, (laughs) I've come to you. Now, have I any power at all to say anything? 
the word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kirjath-Hosath. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, so he makes sacrifices. And he sent to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. And then, and then you start to get into the prophecies. And so, you know, again, the cliff notes kind of of the story. These men from Balak, they come to Balaam. Balak has need of you. He'll pay your commission. He wants you to curse the children of Israel so that he might have victory. He doesn't think he can take them on an open battle. He knows the deck stacked against him. He feels outmeasured, outmanned. <clears throat> he needs divine intervention. So you're a prophet. You seem to have power. Those you bless you are blessed. Those you curse are cursed. So come. He'll pay you what you want. Do his bidding. And at first, Balaam's like, no, I'm not going to do it. No interest. Consulted with God, not supposed to go. They send more representatives. They sweeten the bounty. Ultimately, Balaam's finally like, okay, uh, God said I can go. Now, God is obviously upset with Balaam that he's going. Now, we're not exactly told what Balaam's intention happened to be other than the fact, ironically, you, you can gander, he's going to try to fulfill the terms of the agreement and go and curse the children of Israel. <clears throat> but on his way, the donkey uh, senses danger. The donkey's able to perceive into the spiritual realm. Again, Balaam is blind to what's in front of him, but the angel of the Lord is there, sword drawn, ready to kill Balaam. Let the donkey live, but kill Balaam. So the donkey, again, like we have these three occasions. The first two, donkey goes out of the way. Like, I'm not going to let my master get, get, get axed here. The third time, there's no room for escape, right? So the donkey just sits down. I'm not going anywhere. Balaam starts beating the donkey. And it's at that point that God allows the donkey to speak some truth to Balaam. What are you doing? Have I, you should trust me. Have I ever led you astray? Have I not been a faithful donkey? And Balaam has this conversation with the donkey. And then finally, God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel. What that must have looked like. You know, the flaming sword. You know, trippy. And Balaam was like, oh man, the donkey has more sight than I do. And the donkey was God's mouthpiece to speak to me. Now, again, God still lets him go. But the, a, a, an important lesson has been hammered home. Hey, what you're going to do, you be very careful. I gave you permission to go. It seems as though your intent was ill. I'm just warning you. If you go to do what you think you were going to go do, we have issues. Don't forget you work for me. Don't forget who you work for. And don't forget, I can whack you at any moment. And so Balaam goes, right? You know, and he shows up, <coughs> this, that, and the other. And, and so again, every, he, and he warns them. He's like, listen, I kind of don't work for you. You brought me here. You want me to say some things. I'm only going to say what God wants me to say, right? <clears throat> so he goes up to curse their blessings doesn't really work out well for anybody involved. So the story, right off the, the, the bat, what, what do you guys, what are your thoughts? Do we have anybody online, Creighton? Uh, we got people watching. Um, Jennifer, everyone says hi. I don't have any comments about the, about the talking ass or anything. Hello. <laughs> I got to say it. <laughs> so you guys, what, what are some initial thoughts? Don't jump all at once. 
Anybody? My initial question is, is Balaam an actual prophet of God, or is he just religious and he knows that the God of the Israelites is is Jehovah or Elohim, and he is using that and going towards them, and, and God speaks to them. Uh, it it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it's these religious men went out and tried to cast out a demon in Jesus' name, and the demon's like, oh, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but who are you kind of thing. It, it, is that perhaps the same kind of situation. I well, think he was let, an actual prophet. I mean, let me let me ask you. you just re, we read through the text. Right. I mean, what's the... The literal reading of the text presents what, Kyle? He's a prophet, and he speaks with God. He's yeah. notated as that, and that's what he represents. I think that's actually the big story here, is what what Balaam represents. What but he's his not a whole Hebrew. Picture is he's not a Hebrew, and that's that's the thing. Yeah, which, but which he, you kind of see he that does... In, actually bless the Israelites with the power of God. Right. And it's said that he is able to bless and curse by I would Balaam I would jump let, let me jump in for a moment. Let, let's let's add a little context to what Balaam knows. And again, there's so much about Balaam, just full disclosure, that we don't know. Balaam is a mysterious character in the Old Testament. So we're right. not trying to like that's have my that's my question. Is he an actual prophet of God? Or is he just a mystic? I would prophet. say that he's an actual prophet of God because yeah, he does be—he does seem to be in tune with what the Lord. He's has talking going on. to God yeah. and he speaks for God. Okay, so so what's the definition of a prophet? A prophet is someone that speaks to the people on behalf of God. A priest represents people before God. Prophet speaks for God to the people. Does Balaam fill the role of a prophet? Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. like to the letter, actually. Um, now, is he an Israelite? No. Is he a Hebrew? No. Is he a descendant of Abraham? Perhaps. Yes. Eh, I mean, I would say yes. He's I think he's a Moabite. He's a descendant of Lot. Right. Who is the nephew of Abraham. So he's not a descendant of Abraham. Solid point. That being said, does he have faith? Does he have a relationship with God? And does he have a relationship with the actual God of Abraham? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you get into the context that Lot gets described in the New Testament as a man of faith, which is the hall of faith, which is to me like a crazy thing that, that, that Lot, it was attributed to, to Lot faith. Well, you know? even when he, he was, was called showed, righteous Lot in, in, in the gospels, mm-hmm. even where he was showed where he was wrong in riding the donkey and the donkey was turning away. And then he saw the reality of the angel actually being there with the sword drawn with the sword drawn. He was like, yep, I was wrong. Let's redo this. How we need to do it. And and right off the bat, right off the bat, he wants to be obedient to God. Yeah. Yeah. He was to the point that he's not interested in money to start with. He's not interested in any of the other things. He's like, you know what? I had this thing and, and yeah, it's true. Those who I curse, I curse. Those who I bless are blessed. <clears throat> I have a reputation. I have this interaction with God, Jehovah. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. Like, there's no and he finally gets, there's no amount of money you're going to throw at me that I'm going to do it. No bueno. Now, he goes back to God, and God's like, go. Now, what's his motivation? His motivation at that point seems to be like, okay, I'll go and curse which is why God's anger's aroused, and there's like this clear, like, 
hey, let's change our priority and way of thinking. I'm allowing you to go, maybe not for the reason you thought, but let's be clear on what's going to happen. I think that verse, though, is God didn't tell him to go. God, I, I went back and tried to dig into the Hebrew stuff. That takes too much time. But it almost seems like God was saying, if you go, what is going to happen is what I'm saying, what right. I got him saying. And that so, might be the way to read it. Yeah, it, especially in context of the verse after, which is the one Creighton said was the yeah. well, let's, topic. Let's, let's go back yeah. to some other things about, about like a much broader idea. Um, Melchizedek's not Hebrew, mm -hmm. uh, but he's the king of kings, and Abraham blesses Melchizedek. Right, like you, you do run. So uh, another, another, and Jethro, who's the father-in-law. So he's the father of Zipporah. He's the he's a the priest of Midian. He's Moses' his, his father-in-law. And, and the guy ends up having like profound, a profound role in Moses' life where he speaks truth into Moses' life. And you're like, my point is there's a lot of things that are happening, um, not just specific to, they're, they're, it's all ends up being related to Israel, but not specific to Israel. So there's, there's, there, there is room for some other, some other things. Well, it's important that he beats his donkey three times as well. It's the three times is the confirmation of what does need to be done and what is going to be done. It's the confirmation of, I mean, it's the same thing as Christ rising in three days when he talks about what in verse uh, 32, the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. <clears throat> the three times is just the number of confirmation of how many times of opposition needed to happen before the reality of the situation to come fruition. Now, the story of Balaam, which is interesting. <clears throat> it does, it does. So Balaam's a smart guy. And everything we've kind of, I mean, in a lot of ways, we've kind of defended Balaam. And, and I think rightfully so. Now, over time, Balaam is trying to pronounce these curses. They come out as blessings. He's paid for, you know, he has this interaction with Balak, you know. Like, what are you doing? You know, that's not what I'm paying you for. Well, ultimately, Balaam's like, I can't, I can't, I can't do what you're asking. I can't do this. But, and this is, and this is what happens. Balaam's like, let me give you some advice. I might not be able to curse them, but there is a way that you can destroy them. Take your prettiest single ladies, dress them up, send them into the camp, they'll lead the hearts of the young men away from God. You know, so Balaam gives them this kryptonite, this kryptonite, like, Hey, like I can't, I can't curse them, but let me give you some advice on what you might be able to do to curse them yourself, to curse them yourself, to have them curse themselves because they have this arrangement with God. They have this deal. They have a covenant in place. So you get them to break the covenant and God will curse them. You don't even have to deal with it. Now, Balaam walks off the pages of scripture. Like we can have a, like fun debates about Balaam prophet or not clearly a prophet. And he was a factual prophet. Is he in heaven? Probably not. I don't know. Who I knows? Know. I mean, I mean just an interesting, <laughs> he's an interesting character, right? He gets mentioned again though. He does. And I, and I actually, I pitched it to you guys. So I had time to find it. It's Jude. Oh, is he in Jude? He's in Jude. That's one of my favorite, favorite that's references. One of the, that's one of 
So where is he? So Jude what? There's only one chapter. It's verse 11. I already looked it up. You already looked it up. You want to read it? I can. Yeah. He's, he's mentioned with... Because he's mentioned somewhere else, and I pulled up the other passage. So he, you know, kind of like the Hall of Faith, you get mentioned with the greats. Here's, here's where Balaam's <coughs> looped in. Jude 11. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. That's right. Which is an awesome story. Korah. So the it have, swall- open so, the earth. So I have so this is this is what's important. The best commentary of the Old Testament is the New Testament. Yep. And so when you run into passages like this where you're like, man, because Balaam does, Old Testament wise, just walks off the pages. This is the only story we have. You can read through it, and he's gone. And you're like, well, what was what was the issue? And and, and Jude, and Kyle's right on. The mention is that. You know, and again, this is a warning to others, but have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. So that implies that, again, Balaam was, was doing what he did. Maybe initially it was like, I don't want the money, but the money got to the point where Balaam begins to act. He's a representative of God. He's anointed by God. He's been ordained by God, but he ends up his motivation gets warped by greed. And that, that becomes the great heir of Balaam. And there's an application for, for Christianity, modern Christianity. Just what is what is the error of Balaam? Well, it's it's doing, it's being called by God, commissioned by God, equipped by God, empowered by God, and using those things for personal gain. That's exactly. Ends up yeah. being the error of Balaam. <laughs> and we look at Christianity, we look at a lot of pastors, mm. a lot of church leaders, a lot of nonprofit organizations, and called by God, commissioned by God, empowered by God, anointed by God, and they're using it for personal gain. It's a perversion of the gospel. Is yes, that, that's yeah. But but it's but it's a perversion of the gospel for something specific, for self gain. For self gain. Yeah. And, and and okay, it's easy for us to maybe go on a diatribe about like the health and wealth guys. You know the guys that are like driving the 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 righteous gemstones of the world. To that's quote such HBO. a specific reference. So the HBO show the right the John Goodman Danny McBride the righteous gemstones, which makes fun of you know the the TBN claim it, name it type type people that are like driving three airplanes, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, that's how the opening scene is to the show. Just absolutely it's a, ridiculous. It's a, it's a great show. Very not kid-friendly. Not kid Not even Christian-friendly. Yeah. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but my point, like, I, no, you know what's funny? It's a side point. So when I was earlier this year in in-home therapy, physical therapy, um, I, I could barely stand, barely move. And I'm, and, I, and I'm trying to witness to Barry, who's my physical therapist at the time. And we're having this conversation. He's not a believer. And, um, and he brought up, he goes, hey, what do you think of the, have you ever seen the righteous gemstones? And I started, I started laughing. I was like, that's so funny. I was like, yeah, I've watched, I watched the first season. I was like, it was, it's hilarious. And he goes, that's, that's really weird for you to say. I was like, why is that? He goes, well, you're a Christian. I was like, you think that they're representing Christianity? He goes, as from my perspective, yes. Hmm. I was like, no, hmm. I, I find all of that to be as deplorable and beyond the pale as you do. Like, I, I, I want nothing to, if that was Christianity, I would also have nothing to do with it. It's not. And, and, and they're making fun of something that I think should be made fun of, which is why I don't take it personally and laughed alongside of it. Those people should be made fun and ridiculed. Now, the prophet of Balaam, we, we think of that 
when we think of the anointing, the empowering, you know, the equipping for personal gain, we think of it in a monetary sense. Let me throw a wrinkle because I think we see more of this and everything always ties to money. What about celebrityism? People that are using their, 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 their gifting for self-promotion, for self-acclaim, for attention. Man, we could run down. I think more pastors have fallen because of, because of the, the, the greed of ego. I think that you could... Um, that you could tie into Balaam. I think that you could... Because uh, once again, we still have the issue with when you say celebrityism. Um, I think that that can be small scale as well. Like the, the petty tyrant of celebrity, meaning that it is, it is the celebrity of a small church, the celebrity of a medium-sized church, or the mega pastor celebrity. Do you agree with that? That you can God, you can I, be in the same era, error, even I, I, if you are trying to show off for twenty people as opposed to twenty thousand. Oh, for sure, it's an attitude, and that's right. it's, it's an attitude, error. it's a heart. And again, um, sin is an error. It's an error. Yes. Um, again, you you go back um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. You know the podcast, and again, I'm not endorsing it in any way. I have mixed opinions about it. But there, there is no question. <clears throat> Mark Driscoll is very anointed. God had a call in his life. God's done amazing things through Mark Driscoll. Um, did Mark Driscoll start? Did Mark Driscoll lose at some point an appropriate perspective of himself? I think absolutely. Even if you, even if you like, don't like anything about the podcast, just watching from afar. You know, there, there became, there was an ego that developed. Now, where did it start? It started early. N- you know, no one ever wakes up with an ego. Egos grow. You know, egos are something that's systemic. There's something about the person, which is why you're saying it can exist in a small church, medium-sized church. It doesn't really matter about the size of a church. It, just, it matters about the position of the can heart. Can I take it even a step heart. further? Yeah, please do. Uh how about all those times where you asked God for specific things and did you, it's something you want to do. And finally he's like, okay, go ahead and do it. And it, it leads to, to something this. horrible. Right. And, and I think that might just coming from my standpoint, maybe Balaam. Yeah. He started out like, no, I don't need it, but he wanted it. And he kept asking God, kept asking God, kept asking God and God finally relented. It's like, okay, do it see where it goes kind of right thing. yeah interesting and, and god even opened up the mouth of an animal to talk to you which should have been the, the last <laughs> warning you know if an animal said for me to stop doing something first off i'd be like am i tripping on acid or something <laughs> uh some ergot in yeah, my last something, and, and i would i would have listened and then stopped right then and there especially but, when you see the angel of the lord right, right with a sword drop but apparently balaam went ahead and kept doing it after the after that. And, and so I think a, a lot of times as, as, as believers and just human beings in general, we, we tend to just keep asking God for something that's not good for us in the end. And God just relents and lets us fall on, yeah, fall on our own sword at that point. And, and it's amazing how many chances God gave Balaam. He even went so far as doing something amazing to stop him. And he just kept going for it. Yeah. It's wild. Um, Nick, what are your real quick? Nick, Nick, what are your thoughts? That's cool. You've been you've been sitting listening. Well, I've got um, 
something to talk about. And it's one of Creighton's questions, I, I guess, is right there on numbers, I think it's 2220, is where, okay, if they come and call you, God says, then thus you shall go. And, like, I don't think God wastes words at all in the Bible. So I, I was looking that up and stuff, and I found something pretty interesting about it because it doesn't mention that, hey, they came and asked him to go with them and stuff. So I, I tried to dive deep in, like, the Hebrew and stuff, but I wasn't able to find, like, on Blue Rudder Bible, but I found someone that described it to it, and it uses the pronoun in the Hebrew as hue, which is um, used to denote someone's person doing a thing out of their own head without regard of directions of another. And thus being the case of Balaam, basically, he, in that context, he's going without them coming to their tent. So he's, he's like, okay, God told me I can go if they, if they come. come. So that means I can go. But no, that's not what he said. Oh, that's insightful. Yeah, that's yeah, very God insightful. Said, God said, if they come get you, which means they're not staying in the same house or tent as him. They're staying apart from him. Let me throw, let me throw another wrinkle. I, I, that's so insightful, and that got me thinking about, about what, if, what if God's like, go? Because he's going sl- to strike him down with the, with the angel of the Lord's sword. He's going to kill the whole group. He's going ki- yeah, to kill them all to make a point. Because again, like, hey, yeah, you're 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 my prophet. Meaning, I'm gonna I'm gonna communicate things through you. I kept telling you not to go. You know, now you're determined to go, and I'm just gonna whack you. And I'm gonna and in doing so, I'm gonna let the Moabites know, hey, <laughs> if you continue with this this plan, you're gonna suffer the same fate. And then, if that's true, what an act of grace. That A, the donkey can see what's really going on. The donkey resists. The donkey has an exchange. God then opens the eyes of Balaam. And he's like, oh, snap. This is what was about to go down. Again, I don't think, again, at Christophany, Jesus is there to just play patty cake. Jesus is there to whack him. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably. And like, what if, what if that's like, hey, I'm going to let these Moabites know to back off. And so I'm going to let the prophet go and then smack him down. Now... He doesn't smack him down. Blessings, uh, curses turn into blessings. Balaam's motivation, we know, is greed because the the New Testament tells us. But there is another thing. There's one more wrinkle. Because that's not the only place. Jude's not the only place that we run into Balaam. What's the other? Do you not know? No, I don't. I don't. I really don't. I also don't. (laughs) In Revelation chapter 2. Ooh, okay. (laughs) You should know that one. Verse 12. Jesus is writing to the church of Pergamos. And I'll jump down to verse 14. Jesus says, I have a few things against you Mm. because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. And then he continues... About the Nicolaitans. But he mentions here the doctrine of Balaam. That's a horrible way to be remembered. Right. And this ties into you know the end of Balaam's story. He can't curse them, but he teaches Balak 
hey, if you want to take these people down, you get God to curse them. And you can get God to curse them by having them eat things sacrificed to idols, idolatry, and sexual immorality, which are two things that, that really attack the, the basis of any covenantal relationship with God. Should, like put no, the- should put no gods before me, and, and the idea of, of sex and, and its sanctity of, of two becoming one and we're made in the image likeness of God. I mean, there's a lot of loaded imagery to that. And so the doctrine of Balaam is sexual immorality and idolatry. And then there's all kinds of idolatry in our world, not little Buddhist statues, but just placing in, putting anything in its supreme position above Jesus in our lives. So again, Balaam is also included in the scripture because he's a, he's a type of, of doctrine, of false teaching. Which I think again is a, is profound and interesting. It's a specific type of false teaching too, because it's it's not just it's not just you know false teaching like something crazy off the wall that we would all recognize as as you know obvious not truth. It's understanding the truth and then mixing in some dog poop with it. Like it's it's even worse than it's even worth worse than just going off the wall. It's Subtle corrosion. Subtle, yeah. Subtle, the subtlety. It's adding that. leaven, knowing it'll 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 ruin the lump. Yeah. Isn't that scary <laughs> though? To, to think what. One, it's amazing God gave him enough grace to, to warn him ahead of time, but isn't it scary the, to know what what happens when you start doing that kind of thing? It, I I have in my Bible that that the air the doctrine of Balaam is worldliness. <clears throat> Nicolaitans ends up being, you know, uh, that's a whole nother topic, but it ends up being a false doctrine. <clears throat> the doctrine of Balaam is not called a false doctrine. It's a true doctrine, but it's, it's adding worldliness into godliness. And ultimately you look at Balaam and I mean, here's a guy that obviously knows the truth and he's connected to the truth. Um, and yet, man, he goes down as kind of this infamous character. Um, that in some ways blesses the children of Israel. And again, you should read back these prophecies he's, he declares. They're, they're astounding. Again, true mouthpiece of God. But at the same time, he, you know, he, he, he was used by Satan to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to lead them astray by the enticement of worldliness versus sanctification. And I mean, by a stumbling block, you mean it's like we're talking about the Israelites heroin, like they're two big things, Mm -hmm. idolatry and sexual immorality. It's the two big things that come up for the rest of their history and end up with what three major powers destroying them at some point. I would say that it's the same, it's the same heroin that exists today. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It's idolatry and sex, sexual immorality, worldliness. Uh, again, it was the enticement of this people that have just been called out, codified, organized, sanctified, made holy. Be different. Be different. That was the whole calling. Be different. Everything, if you want to understand Leviticus at all, it's God saying be different than the world. And everything you do, I want you to be different from the world. There's clean, there's unclean. I want you to be clean and different. And what, is, and what does Balaam say? The easiest way is, is make them... Bring them down into the dirt. Make them be normal. And I think that as Christians, that's that's a big thing. Like, we're called to be different. 
the big appeal, the subtle appeal, the, the slippery slope is that enticement of, I just want to be normal. We are not. What, what, is, what is the normal way that, that, that our culture promotes relationships between men and women? Have sex, live together, do all of that before marriage. Try it out, test ride. That's normal. If you want to really be a rebel, wait to have sex till you're married. No one's doing that. Did God really say that? that that's, 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 the enticement. Yeah. that's the enticement. That's the enticement. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's not me. There's a single, the single no, guy's that, like, wait, 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 wait that, a second. No, that, that's why I'm saying it. I, think I gotta wait till marriage? <laughs> I, I think that's what it boils down to a lot of times. It goes all the way back to Satan in the garden. Did God really say? Mm. And that's yeah. what gets us. Because mm-hmm. we say, did God really say? And then we start doing it, and then it just traps us. Yeah, agreed. That's interesting, too. I mean, if you think about one of the biggest thoughts of the story with me is like Balaam came face to face with what we're saying was Jesus. And Jesus said, stop doing what you're doing. And Balaam even said like, oh, whoa, okay," But then still decided to go and and do bad. Like, how does that? Yeah, I think. How do you come face to face with with Jesus, realize what's wrong and then keep and then end up in. In Revelation and in Jude is like listed with terror. We, we look at all the all these people from the past and all all these you know celebrity preachers and stuff like that that you you know they had a calling when they were younger and in in their years and they were doing good mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they walked away. It's kind or of you, a warning to any Christian. Right. Oh out my there. goodness, you want to know one of you, the things? You want to um, know real quick, Chris? Right. You want to know a story that I, I've been reading about recently? That is mind mind boggling. Yes, I do. Do you know? No. You want to know? know. Well, maybe Robert Schuler. So Robert Schuler is the Crystal Cathedral. Oh yes, Southern yeah, California. Okay. We're talking about like it is. It is one of it. It was the origins of health and wealth, TBN, television. Oh. Robert Schuler was an absolute pioneer. And and I've been to the I actually have been to the Crystal Cathedral and walked through it before it got sold. But you go back to his origins and it is astounding. The guy was an evangelist and he started he would he would get up in a movie theater and start preaching. During the movie? Yeah, and people would just turn everything off and start and, and it was he was ju- he was as a it's Again, we will have to do an episode on Robert Schuler. Now, he very quickly, as fame and money and power and all that, you know, I mean, his legacy gets tarnished by it. But, I mean, it's so easy. So many guys start so great. And then and then it's this, this slow, it's, it's the doctrine or the error. Of Balaam. And I wonder how many asses had to talk to them before they would. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the question. Yeah. I want to uh, I I really, address something I really Kyle once again, said earlier. Just to cut Crayton off for the third time. Come I'm on, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll go for it. All right. So I want to address something that Kyle said earlier about uh, how you can stand in front of Jesus and then continue to. Because um, I went to school as a biologist. I was going to be a biologist for a while. Uh, I only lasted a year. But. I have had a I've had a lot, not of a lot of conversations in biology. I've had a lot of conversations with uh, atheists who were like, I don't know if God was to like you know come down and part the clouds, and I totally believe. Like, show me something. If he's there, why not show me something? 
Um, and it harkens back to the to Jesus talking to the Pharisees and to Jerusalem in general. I realize I'm Italian. I talk with my hands. <laughs> um, where uh, he says, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the signs that you've seen, they would have repented, and yet you have not. Um, and miracles are actually a terrible evangelistic tool. Mm-hmm. Like teaching... Like, Jesus wasn't known, like, he was kind of known as a healer, but he was known as a teacher because miracles are surprisingly bad at evangelism. Right. How many of those doctors have come, and nurses have come back to you and asked you about Jesus since you became a miracle? <laughs> since Thanks you for defining me that way. Well, yeah, yeah. This is a <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. No, so, I haven't had anybody call me. Right. Miracles are beautiful for the church and surprisingly lackluster for those that don't believe. And the difference is kind of fascinating, especially and given how false miracles like Benny Hinn are so popular. Oh yeah. well, Slap you with the that's another conversation maybe for another day. Mir- miracles are beautiful in the moment, and they're even better for the person that is on. But other than that, the people that see the miracles, I mean, they go on to live their daily day lives. It, they forget about yeah, it. That's and they an move interesting. Like, well, I mean, that's interesting. Miracles are for the individual, not for. Not for the picture. Yeah, I mean, when he healed, like he popped up, he grabbed his mat and went running through the the temple or whatever to proclaim that he was healed. But like for everybody else, they were just like, well, oh, look, yo, look yo, at the stop. Like, look at the doing? book of Revelation and the, the the apocalypse. All these bad things happen, miracles happening, all kinds of crazy stuff happening, and people still deny the deity of Jesus. Let's, yeah, yeah. Yep. it's it's always it's always about the heart. Again, I mean. The easiest example of this, the easiest illustration. <clears throat> Lazarus is dead for four days. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> he smells. Jesus, Jesus resurrects him. There is no question he's dead. Dude walks out of a tomb in his gl- grave clothes, and the religious leaders want to do what? Arrest him. Kill him. <laughs> and to kill him. They want to kill him. It's not like, oh my goodness gracious, the guy. Can you tell us? We, we, a book deal. I mean, how did Lazarus not get a book deal immediately? The religious Zondervan, we need a book deal. They want to kill him. You can only kill somebody that's alive. (laughs) And he was dead. Like, how do you rationalize that? Hey, that guy was dead. Now he's alive. Let's kill him again. Um, You know, like, again, it speaks to the heart though. It's it's, what a, what an illustration. Um, And again, you know, this is an interesting thought. This might be an Easter message, but. Could it be that that's what Jesus was illustrating about the religious leaders? Like, hey, Lazarus is dead for four days. I raised him. They want to kill him. You think they have any interest in in the Helping truth? Heal. Yeah. Hmm. Or no. Or Pharaoh letting the, the the Hebrews go. Yeah, ten plagues come upon you. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you let him go, but you then you go back after him. Right. Right. Like how? Like. And I know it says God hardened his heart, but like he was pretty stubborn to this, but say, no, God, God's not saying that kind of stuff. And how many times in my life have I done that? No, God's not really telling me to do this. Ooh, that's a yeah, good one. Amen. Man, make it real. Well, I, I've messed up a lot in my life, you know. Hey, welcome to the club there, bud. <laughs> Everyone. Balaam, great topic, Creighton. I thought this was a great episode. Any, any comments was. online? We have had none. No comments online. You guys got any any final thoughts? I'm really disappointed in our audience. Agreed. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Calling them out. I am. 
How many times has God instructed you to, to comment and, and, and interact? <laughs> and you didn't. And you didn't. You didn't. Keyboards right there. I'm I'm the ass talking to you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you struck me three times. Um, now what? That is it, it. Really though is is one of my life verses um, in the sense of like, you know, God can speak through an ass. He doesn't. It's a vessel. Like he doesn't need any. He can take an ass. He can speak through an ass, and he does it every single Sunday at Calvary 316. Amen. 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 Right. <laughs> so I want to, I want to, uh, Creighton, you got anything else? Real, nope. Real nope. I think we're good. Okay. So before uh, we start signing off, I want to mention I have a very cool website. It's a podcast, um, but you can go to the website for quick links to the podcast, or you can go to your podcast provider and just search Get Fed Today or go to Get Fed Today. Com. I've got the podcast pulled up right now. I just want to scroll through. Every Monday, a fresh set of five Bible studies get, gets released on getfedtoday.com, all designed to help you take your study of God's Word beyond Sunday morning. You like that, Craig? That's kind of a new twist. Yeah, I like that. Taking it beyond Sunday to Monday through Friday. Saturday, you can be a heathen. That's fine. <laughs> That's <laughs> the Sabbath they can rest on that day. There you go. Bingo. <laughs> Appreciate it, Justin. Okay. But, no, there's some great stuff. So, like, this week, so the five studies, and, and there's such a variety. We've got Damian Kyle, who's, oh, my goodness, Damian's great. Calvary Chapel Modesto. Dave Marini. A lot of people might not know about Dave Marini. He's in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Um, he was my Sunday school teacher. Um, and so my, uh, like, my theology, my theology is the, is the development of three different people. Uh, my dad, Sandy Adams. Gail Irwin and Dave Marini was my Sunday school teacher. And Dave was a lawyer, gave his life to Jesus, just a great guy. Started a church. Got to check it out, Dave Marini. And we got Mike Foch, who I went to Bible college with, interestingly enough, with my dorm steward. I'm telling Guzik. We've got <laughs> we've got Poncho Poncho Juarez is on there, who is Calvary uh in Montebello. It's called the Ark Montebello. <clears throat> He's like a <clears throat> It's hard to understand some of Poncho. He sounds like his name is Poncho. Yes. No, he really does. And he's like, you know, he's he would either be a... He's either a, a, a Christian pastor or... Gabriel uh, Glacius. Or I was going to go drug dealer with a low rider on hydraulics. <laughs> Dill. Um, yeah. And then you got you got also this week, my dad, uh, Sandy, Loving Your Leia is a great Bible study. But then, like last week, Alistair Begg is on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Chapman, who's one of my favorite Bible teachers. Goat. Absolute goat. Yes. Who you can only find. Interesting thing about James Chapman. <clears throat> According to what I know, the only place you can find James Chapman audio and material is on Get Fed Today. That's amazing. Amen. It's the only place. Uh, you got Joe Foch on here. Again, Chuck Smith. Uh, a study from Jeremy Camp. David Guzik, Joel Rosenberg, uh, Norman Geisler, Paul Le- There's just, again, a lot of variety, a lot of fun. So check out getfedtoday.com um, or just go to your, your podcast provider and uh, just enter Get Fed Today and you'll find us. Subscribe to it. Leave us, leave a rating. Uh, leave them a rating. Right, Creighton? Right, right, right. Leave them. They also, know what they're doing. Also, we'd love feedback about the show. We'd love future topics. Once again, the email address to our show is pokecrayton at gmail.com. Pokecrayton at gmail.com. You're over there laughing. You know it's coming. Yes, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, pokecrayton at gmail.com. 
So uh, once again, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're listening, so you're listening to the podcast that gets released on Thursday, uh, check out the live stream recording. We live stream it, uh, outlawradio.live, YouTube channel. Uh, we also stream it on Facebook. Uh, if you are watching right now, uh, check out the podcast. Uh, again, Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere uh, that you get your podcast. Uh, like it, share it, leave a rating. We appreciate it. All that being said, guys, thank you so much for being No show me. next week. And, oh, yeah, thank you. No show next week. We've got church obligations, so no show next week. We will be back the week after. God bless.